go. All right, welcome everybody. I'm Devin, I'm here with Jordan. Welcome very, very sincerely to uh, the podcast, if I can call it that, although we're not yet on the podcast network, we're just on YouTube. But uh, in any case, um, thank you for your time and, and welcome. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. I love doing this kind of stuff. Right? It, 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 it's, uh, it's an odd thing that because we're all isolated because of COVID, I find myself doing these meetups more so, you know, and I, I do enjoy them. I've, I've had some fun with it. So uh, I want to tell everybody how, like, we met online in kind of the vein of your professional life. And so yes. can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and, and, and educate me and the, and the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I help leaders tell better, more authentic stories so that their audience can viscerally connect with them um, through their hearts, souls, and minds. And 90% of the stories that we tell or that we see just get lost in the digital sea of sameness. And what I do is get deep and pull out all those goodies so that when you do show up and you tell these stories, it comes from a place of authenticity and your audience, your customers, your clients are gonna be able to see that and they're gonna see that it's different. And the best part about it is because it's different, nobody can copy you. Yeah, people feel the real, don't they? Absolutely. They're, you know, one of the things that I think is a contributing factor to uh, legacy media, as I've heard it called, or gated institutional media, as mm -hmm. I've also heard it called by Weinstein, or, you know, mainstream, if you like, is how just painfully fake that shit is, right? Like, you just, it's just, you see the face. no critical thought needed to realize no. that what somebody's parroting at you on a major network is just curated crap, you know? Mm -hmm. It's garbage. And, and it's, it's all garbage. You know? But, but to your point, we all have that place where we can connect at a, you know, at a deep level. And Absolutely. it's just, it's just contingent on our, our, our ability to be honest with our own kind of journey, huh? With what mm -hmm. we've been through. Yeah. And, and the value that those things have, huh? Absolutely. I, that's the good stuff. People connect with that. I mean, even if you told a story that was true, but was so outlandish and so crazy people don't necessarily you know listen to you and follow you along in that story based on their own events it's not like oh you know i i, I got a divorce and blah 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 and somebody's going to relate to you because they got a divorce they could relate to you because of the emotions you felt during that process and that's where that connection sort of comes from right that's interesting that's interesting that hints at the idea to me that the the power of storytelling is the 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 emotional commonality yep. you know throughout um and that that's that's true right like i'm thinking about how i will actively listen to a story that speaks to me and there's there's that sense of being along for the journey right when you're reading lord of the rings or when you're watching star wars or mm -hmm. dune or some great epic you're one of the characters right you're absolutely you're, you're there feeling along with the the protagonist and 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 you know yeah I, I i hear that well i before i forget i would be remiss if i didn't put this question to you because i um have read you know a little bit of your content in in preparation for this and i saw in 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 quick uh 
verbiage that you had a heart transplant at four years old. I did. Yep. Four years tell, old. Tell me about that. Um, yeah. So I was born with a congenital heart defect. Um, it was headphones. Ugh. Um, so I was born with a congenital heart defect. It was non-genetic and sort of the process of that, um, it, it allowed me to be surrounded by adults at a very young age. So whereas most children, they grow up and then they make friends and then, you know, they go out and they do dumb friend shit, um, you know, running around, going and doing this, playing in the dirt, sure, sure. stuff that, well, that's more of a, a boy thing to kind of, well, it can go either way now, it's 2020, who cares, do whatever you want. But whereas a lot of kids get to do that, I kind of had that restriction where I, I didn't get that. The kids that I did grow up with had a lot of um, various different medical uh, problems as well. Right? I like grew up in a cardiac ward, so the children that I spent time with all had cardiac issues. But because we were surrounded by adults, like 99% of the time, and not other kids with various different personalities and mentalities, they were all almost exactly the same because of our, our condition, because of where we were, because of what was happening to us we kind of grew up a lot faster than the average kid did, which basically put me into a position at a very young age where I was able to relate to adults, people that were like 20, 30, 40, 50, far greater than I could children. And the, the process of, of having that transplant and having that life-saving organ um, and then going through elementary school and then high school, and it, 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 it has um, a massive mental toll on you because when you're able to grow up and talk to kids and, and grow up with kids and you relate to kids, you get to go through all of those milestones, those, those experiences, those things. And I got to do that. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say, Oh, I never got to do anything. But it, it was extremely different than what say my brother went through, what my sister went through, what my friends got to experience because they were coming at it from a different uh, level of experience. Right. I, grew up with death being very apparent at a young age. So what I did, what I said, how I acted was all around that idea, that story, that end of like, this is going to happen. So if I want to do something, then I'm going to go out and do it. Uh, whereas a lot of kids, they, they say, I want to go do something because I'm a big dumb idiot. And I don't know, I'm a kid. I, I'm never going to die, blah, 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 blah. So I was still able to kind of do the things I wanted to do, but it came from a different storyline it came from a different point of view it came from the experience of knowing like if i don't do this if i don't act on something then you know i'm gonna die at the end and i will have lived an entire life where i never really got to experience the things i wanted to wow wow that's heavy man i mean i i can't easily understand the depth of that emotion but so many just kind of surface level questions come to mind at an attempt to kind of contextualize what you went through. So like, how long were you in inpatient? Like how long were you in, you know, in the hospital, living in the hospital? Mm, it was on and off um, for about uh, three, three years or so. It started off when I was, when I was born. And then for the, like the next three or four years I was in, for a couple months and then I'd be out for a couple months and then I'd be in for a few months and then out for a few wow. months. Most of my Christmases were in the hospital. Um, sometimes my parents would sneak me out and take me to the mall so I could go see Santa Claus, which was super cool. 
one time the IVs wow. went off and we're like, oh shit, what do we do? We had to rush back to the hospital. So, wow. um, yeah. How, how immediate was the uh, turnaround from, you know, scary health situation to a new lease on life once you got the transplant surgery? Oh, it was almost immediate. The way my mother and father describe it is um, my personality didn't change. But the, the way I looked, the way I acted and the energy levels, it was like night and day. I went from being yeah. really lethargic and really, really weak and not being able to basically hold myself up for a long period of time um, to being able to get up and run around and play. Wow. Do you know anything about the person from whom the heart came? No. I only know the story leading up to the transplant, but... Uh, despite all my efforts and some, uh, some bribes, it didn't ever work out in my favor. I could never figure it out. Wow. Which sucks. Well, I mean, what, what a powerful experience to have had. And I, you know, in your writing, you just kind of throw it in there just as a blurb, like I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And to me, in reading, that jumped out at me like, oh my gosh, this person has been through a transitional life event that most humans only face at the end of their life. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, I don't know, that's something to, to learn from, I suppose, for the rest of us, you know, and to hear what you're coming out the other side of it, if you will, with uh, is something to more fully examine and, and you, you speak about you know knowing that we only got this one chance and, and and understanding that you know if you don't do it it won't get done and 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 you know it seems like you you've gotten this really powerful perspective you know perspective from that and uh i mean w w what else can you say that's that's heavy man so so yeah. how how has so in 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 reading more of, of really the same post because it was a nice long post you spoke about having traveled around the world yes I did. so when when was that period in your life and and kind of what was the overarching motivation in traveling to 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 other countries and and kind of what did you get from it and and all yeah. of that i saw that you, you had had to escape from a burning bus oh my God. terrifying experience I don't recommend it. <laughs> I don't recommend it. It's terrible. Um, I was in Laos, and uh, there's a. This is why I love storytelling. It's one of the most powerful things that connects people. So, we had uh, just finished a, a a moped trek, a four day moped trek around this um, very famous trek in Laos, in, in southern Laos. Let me interrupt you real quick. Who's we? So sorry about that. Me and about three or four other friends. Um, there was three guys, two girls. Um, we had all met together while we were traveling, as you kind of do when you're traveling. And we're, I have a- Right at a hostel or something. Yeah. And I've got a free spirit where I don't really have like set plans. As long as I can bring my computer and work, I don't really care. Um, so they said they were going to go do this four day trek, which is basically the, it's called the Tuckhek Loop. And it's four days and you go in one big circle uh, and then wind up back at the hostel that you started at. <clears throat> and then on that trek, 
we really got to know each other and, and care for each other and, and build the relationship and, and figure out what we were going to do next, which was the 4,000 islands, more south, literally an island. Uh, when we got back, actually, no, that's a different story. I'll continue on the, on the bus story. <laughs> when we got back, almost died on the coming back story, but that's a different story, like I said. Um, we needed to get a bus to the 4,000 islands. And it was like three in the morning when we got back. So we just kind of threw our stuff down and went to bed, woke up, still really groggy because we were trying to get the first bus out of there. And we ended up booking this bus because the people at the, at the hostel um, just said, yeah, 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 sign this, pay here. So we signed it and we paid here. And this doesn't normally happen. I want to stress this. 99% of the time when you work with your hostels, you're totally fine. Totally fine. This is just like a one in a million kind of situation. So disclaimer, <laughs> we ended up getting on a, a literal blue school bus. And on the school bus, there was zero travelers, not, not one. It was all just locals. And that should have been the first tip off, but we were so tired that we didn't even process the information. So we got on this bus and it was about six in the morning at this time. We probably had about two hours of sleep in total. Um, and we were on route and around seven or eight in the morning or so, um, I heard this like little explosion and I opened my eyes and there's two doors on a school bus. There's the ones that are in the front and the ones that are in the back to let children in and, and whatever else. The one in the back, conveniently, I was sitting right beside on the left-hand side and I could see that the, uh, mechanism that keeps the door locked closed had busted and the door was flying open. And during that whole thing where it busted and the door flew open, I couldn't begin to explain all of the science behind it because I have no idea. All I know is that mech that that like thing that holds the door closed blew up and fire just surrounded the entire doorway. And because I was sitting right beside it, I kind of grabbed my bag and jumped up as far as I could to the, to the window, right? Psychologically, we're trying to get away from the fire escape. And um, the, the bus driver slammed on the brakes and everybody ran to the front of the bus to get out because we couldn't get out the back. The wind was blaring in, the fire was basically picking up and growing to the point where it was hitting the top of the roof and coming inwards towards me, my friends, and the other locals on the bus. So we all ran to the front, couldn't get out, because if you've ever done any traveling, then you know that a lot of the time in third world countries, what they'll do is they'll take bikes and mopeds and various different things and tie them to the outside of the bus. So they tied them to the only other door that was available, which means nobody could get out. We were literally stuck in this burning oh, bus, shit. which sucked. So they ended up pulling over. We were all crammed. There was like 20 of us crammed in a little ball at the front of the bus. And uh, the bus driver went to the back and pulled this fire extinguisher out and sprayed it, uh, and nothing came up. So oh. we ended up all grabbing our water bottles, literally everybody just like, he didn't ask us, there was no thought process involved. We just grabbed our water bottles, opened them up and just started throwing it on the fire because it was all we could do. We were in the middle of nowhere. There's no fire trucks coming to our rescue, so how it works. So it was figure it out or run. And there was no running, so it was figure it out. 
and we just kept throwing water and water and water. And luckily there was enough of us to, to be able to get it to a point where we could snuff it out with blankets. But yeah, that was it. Wow. And then the rest of the journey, we had a broken door that was flying open and letting in like negative five degree weather in, which was awesome. It gets real cold in Laos, huh? I thought Laos was always real hot. Laos it is. and Cambodia and Thailand, but that was cold, huh? Very cold. When you go down to the south, especially if we're, if we're in um, uh, their winter, it gets very cold at night. Very, very uh, cold. Uh, Which I well, didn't that's, expect. That's heavy, man. I, I, I dig that. Um, so what, what was, did you kind of do the, the college, like backpack, Europe and Asia thing? Like, was that the context within which that you traveled? Uh, my goal was to be the first heart transplant recipient to all 196 countries. It wasn't wow. uh, the typical wake up and, and go do some backpacking and then go back to life. Um, I wanted to hit, I basically watched this YouTube video of this guy traveling um, from, I think it was like Russia to China or something like that. And he went from basically what you're seeing right here to a full mane. Yeah, just a full mane. Of full, and I mean, I don't have as much hair as he did, but if you go back and, and you look at some of my photos and stuff, my beard was pretty big. Um, How many countries are you at now? 20, 20 or so. Not, wow. not enough. I got to do more. Wow. Where's your favorite uh, place that you visited? By, by far, without even a question, is Vietnam. Really? That's interesting to hear. It was one of the most beautiful countries I've ever been to. The, the culture, the community, the people, uh, the food. I'm a big foodie. It's all just absolutely amazing. Very highly recommended for anybody. Um, and I actually lived there for about six months. Lived off of um, banh mi's, which are basically like little little sandwiches, and uh, pho. Which is their soup. Yeah, the pho, right? That's what I was going to say. That is, is the authentic pho in any way similar to what we get in America? I'd imagine because a lot of the good restaurants are Vietnamese proprietors, uh, you know? Depends on the restaurant. Yeah. Depends on the restaurant. I mean, I've had pho that's nothing like it. And then I've also had it that was just spot on, like absolutely perfect. Right, right. How interesting. What a trip that we fought a fucking war there. And then what, 30, 40 years later, it's, uh, it's got a thriving, you know, tourism industry and it's, it's a huge. wonderful place to be. And, yeah. you know, I didn't know that much about the Vietnam War. I still don't, but I've watched some, some um, documentaries and interesting. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and talk about it like I know what I'm talking about, but, <laughs> uh, you know, to, to learn about, uh, you know, uh, history, right? I've traveled a little bit. I don't think I have anywhere near as many countries as you, but I've got probably, I don't know, better, better part of 10. It's uh, awesome. Been, been to some cool spots, man. Um, yeah, yeah. I got to tell you this quick little blurb because I think it's funny. Yeah, I don't have any real. Uh, okay, so my buddy in high school, uh, one of my best friends, Nick, uh, calls me up. We're, we're, we've just graduated high school, right? We, we've got our summer break before college. It may have been our summer break junior year to be fair, but in any case, we had no responsibilities. We didn't have any bills to pay and we've got months off, right? Yeah, perfect. Life is perfect. good, you know? That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know everything, you know what I mean? We're, yeah. we're 18 years old. Um, 
And so he calls me up because we, we always have a good time together, you know, uh, adventure buddies, as it were. And he goes, uh, Devin, listen, my, my parents and me and, and my sister, we go on a big trip every year somewhere really spectacular. And, you know, his parents are both physicians. They, they work their butts off. And so they're well-to-do and they, you know, they enjoy their money. So they decided to go this particular year to the Great Barrier Reef of Australia and, and go diving and like do it right. They, yeah. they had a, um, you know, reservation on a live aboard scuba dive boat for, you know, five days and four nights or something like this. And, you know, however many dives, 20 dives or something per person, right? Awesome. All, everything included, all food, all, all that. And, and he tells me this and I go, of course. And he goes, well, hold on, dude, hold on. This is my idea. I'm like, what, what's your idea? He goes, I want to go a month early and, and tour New Zealand and then fly over to Australia and tour the Gold Coast, tour the East Coast of Australia, and then meet them in Cairns, which is the mm-hmm. city very far north, right? And then go on this, uh, go on this trip. And I'm like, yeah. done. Like, let's Sign go. me up. Where's, <laughs> yeah. where's, how yeah. do I get this? Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was awesome. You know, I mean, lots of uh, things happened on that trip that were, uh, you know, that were wonderful. And, and uh, yeah, man, like I, um, I love the feeling of, dynamic dynamics dynamism Mm -hmm. i love feeling like i'm in the middle of a movement you know i'm a surfer i'm a skier there's something that's really really palpable and visceral and and fun and exciting to me about feeling like things are about to happen you know Mm -hmm. and travel i'm sorry it's a hero moment where you're like yeah i'm the hero in my own story wow it's like a movie of my life Right, right. Travel, I think, catalyzes that perspective as Mm -hmm. much or more than anything else, right? You put yourself in a situation that you're not used to. Right now, you have to figure things out. And that, I love that feeling. Um, There's no better way to uh, learn anything. Right. And Dwayne said, didn't he? uh, Travel is the, I mean, I'm going to paraphrase, antidote to uh, bigotry and... um, you know, all the isms, right? You travel, you Pretty go somewhere much. else and you realize Pretty that much. everything that we came into with preconceived notions and, and assumptions are all just bullshit, you know? Yep. And there's 100%. a whole other way of living, you know? Yeah. That, that's one of the biggest takeaways I had is that when I came back, I had been to so many different countries and, um, you know, you naturally create these uh, presuppositions of what is real and what is fake and, and, and what you need to believe and what you don't need to believe naturally, right? Based on your environment, based on your, your culture, blah, 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 blah. But when you travel, when you get out there, when you see these things in real time, in real life, they pretty much just melt away uh, because you're seeing all of these presuppositions, all of these isms, as you know, you just put them, they just, they're not, not real. They're not accurate. They're not factual. They're based in, I'm going to use a super scientific word here, nonsense. Because, I don't know, I, after coming back from traveling as many countries as I did and experiencing the cultures on the level that I, that I experience, I, I just don't have it in me to be susceptible to that anymore. It's just it's craziness to me. Let me ask you this. After having traveled to, what, Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. I imagine, Europe, have you been to all the continents? Have you been no. to South America? Have you been to Africa? No? 
No, it was on my list for last year, but um, my ex-business partner took the, my company from me right wow. underneath me without me knowing. Fun story. And um, uh, I basically had to take an emergency flight back to Canada so that I could tweak what I was doing and get it to where I want to go. And then this year we got COVID. So, no. So this is my question. After having traveled to a place of historically enemies to the, the American people, let's, let me just frame the question this way. Who is the they to you? Do you feel what I'm saying in the, in the abstract when, when people are able to push a narrative of mm. they're doing this, that, or the other thing. And the they is a group of malevolent evil entities that need be destroyed. Who's your they? Do you have a they? Is that something that gets corroded from travel or from having had, you know, near death experience? Obviously, it's kind of a weighted question because you can tell where my where my kind of thought process goes. But I'm curious about that question turning over in your in your experience. So my they, as you put it, um, comes down to when I was a kid. The thing that I wanted most out of anything in the entire world was to end up on my deathbed with the least amount of what ifs and regrets that go through my mind. One of the most common things that you get from <clears throat> people on their deathbed is, I regret not doing, I regret doing, what if I had done, what if I had done? So my they, uh, my villain, is to have those thoughts in my head at the end of my life, telling me all of these things that I could have, should have, maybe would have, have done. And I have basically architected my life in a way in which I have, and I'm, you're going to, I mean, it's naive for me to say that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to have any, that's insane. But I've architected my life in a way where I can have the least amount of those thoughts as humanly possible. How do you respond to people that try to dim your shine? I come from uh, a background where I understand if people are, trying to dim my shine, it's not necessarily um, what they think is possible for me, it's what they think is possible for themselves. So when somebody tries to bring you down or somebody tries to, tries to dim my shine, um, it, it usually comes from a thought process that they have about their own restrictions in their own life. So it could go one or two ways. One, it could be a, I shuff it off and don't really think about it at all ever. Or two, ask them why they think that way about the situation. Why am I not capable? Why am I, make it about you. Why am I not able to do this? And then every single answer that they give you, and I'm not joking when I say this, every single answer that they give you can basically be traced back to their own ideology of what they think is possible for them. So you literally get an entire map of all of the reasons why they think they're not able to do something. And then I simply just have that conversation with them. And if they're open-minded, which most of the time they're not, you can kind of lead them in, in a way in which they get this aha moment of like, holy shit, I can kind of do whatever I want. Like, I'm not telling you to go tra travel to 196 countries by any means, but there's things that people want to do and they don't do them, they restrict themselves. So having that real conversation 
and kind of hitting it back to them, um, if you're open-minded, allows you to be able to put a new light on yourself and see what you really want and gives you the ability and the empowerment to, to go after them. It's very hard to I do like that. Light. <laughs> I like that a lot. I've, I've, I've had the similar experience of, I call them, you know, canters, mm. right? There's, there's can, can do people and there's canters, right? Can do, but, yeah. but to your point, I think it's, it's a common thread where a canter is, is propagating what they feel has held them back or is it, you know, oh, you can't do this or that. Well, what they're saying to your point is, well, I didn't do this or that, or I couldn't mm -hmm. accomplish this or that. So don't even try. And I think that's a beautiful way of, of answering the question of the they, because it's not, you know, Republicans or Democrats or, you know, Viet Cong or Russians or mm -hmm. some kind of group that, of course, of course, any sane person with half of a fucking neuron firing in their brain, in my humble opinion, would understand is not a homogenous group, no. right? You can't, you can't take a, a group like men and say oh. men are all X, Y, Z. Because yeah. there's so many fucking men, you know? Well, you can't say Russians are this. If you're going to say men are all X, Y, and Z, then women are all, then a specific right. culture is all, then you have to go with right. the extreme Right, which everything. is not... Yes, sir, which is not reality. No. But I, I like where you went with that question because I, that resonates with me a lot. Is Well, the people that I fight against, if you will, is another way of framing the same thought, are people that tell me I can't. And I really, really like that. And, and I really like how you came at it and saying, I don't even, like, because I think the way that that kind of narrative gets propagated in the negative is, well, they told me I can't, so now I'm not going to, so now I have to be an arbiter of, telling other people they can't uphold mm -hmm. that. And there's a way out of that. And that is, well, why do you think I can't? Why, what did you, well, why didn't you? Right. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, you know, cause I, I have difficulty with that because I'm a real defensive personality type. Somebody, somebody squares off with me ideologically or intellectually or philosophically. I get a lot of adrenaline. Get the back up, get, get the spine going, get ready to go. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. let's talk, let's fucking talk. Let's about get this it. going. I'm in it. You know, and that's not, very productive in a lot of circumstances, to, to be fair. You noticed uh, it. Well, I've had to learn it the hard way. And, most people and, do. Uh, you know, and, and I really like finding a strategy to not only be free of others' restrictions, you know, within reason, but yeah. also attempt to free them of their own restrictions, which is a high-minded goal, but it's possible, you know? Totally. Um, you know, there's a lot of those quotes that speak to the same idea. It's like, don't let the people saying it's impossible fuck with the people doing it, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and so forth. So, yeah, I really like that. I think that one of the kind of guiding lights or principles at my life, I'm 33, just getting my shit together, you know, is to oh, have, you feel me, have a focus that I've chosen and, and protect it. Not, not allow it to be up for discussion, as it yep. were, you know, or, or debate. That's and, it, because I say it is, and, and that's final. And, and yeah, and I'm, just gonna, and I'm just going to do it, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm going to do it as well as I can, and I'm going to let that stand. And, you know, everybody can have their opinion, and God bless them, but totally. I'm not going to ask permission, you know. And I think that that's part of growing into an adult from a child, and it sounds like you had to do that at four years old, yes, you know. But, like, I think a lot of us struggle with with seeking permission for things that we feel so deeply, so, so far in abstraction of our own emotional self or our spirit or, or, or you know, what, what have you, that 
we put that responsibility on somebody else that we trust and it's often that light is often squelched you know yeah. and i think that's a that's a real motivator for me and it it made me crazy for years because i thought i had to i thought i had to tell it i thought i had to say it and some somebody smarter than me finally said when i was just manic trying to put all these things into words show don't tell mm -hmm. and i go oh like i can just do the things mm -hmm. that are difficult and and give me life and passion and feed my spirit and make me happy and so forth and then i can share that and mm -hmm. i don't have to say you should go do this you should go mm -hmm. do that because that often engenders resistance or defensiveness of well, I couldn't, and you shouldn't, and I can't, and they can't, and this is why, and those are the bad guys. And that's a, that's a dialogue that I try to avoid now because I realize it doesn't go anywhere. No, it's the dialogue that goes somewhere. Nonsense. You feel, you feel me? Yeah, the dialogue absolutely. that goes somewhere is, is look what I've done. Mm -hmm. What have you done? You know? And like what can be done. And I think trying to center around that framework for me is something that gives me hope. You know, yeah. but there's so much that can be done. We don't, who, totally. who knows? You totally. Know? It's, it, the only restrictions, I mean, coming from that narrative and, and what you're saying and how you're like, show, don't tell, right? That narrative is 10 times more powerful than the I'm going to, 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 because. Or you saying, should, you should, you should, you should. You should. That's another thing. Yeah. It doesn't, human beings do not like to be told what they should and shouldn't do, what they can and cannot do. That's, that's like deep rooted into us. That's, I don't know, you know, if you believe in evolution or what you believe in, frankly, I don't care. I'm just going to say this. Evolutionary wise, in order to get to where we are right now, we have to have that ingrained in our brains so that we didn't follow the dumbass who's running off the cliff after a mammoth, right? So that we could develop our own ideology, our own beliefs, our own systems, our own way of living to differentiate ourselves and actually get to where we are as human beings. A lot of what I see all the time, and I'm not joking when I say every single day, is human beings uh, basically distancing themselves from family members, literally ostracizing their own family members based on a belief system that a particular family, family member doesn't um, hold true. And, and they literally take that person and ostracize them. And sometimes it's get out of the house. Sometimes it's don't talk to us. Sometimes it's, you know, you're not my son, you're not my daughter, you're not whatever. But that whole idea is, to me, is just, it's insanity. It's, it's craziness. It's, it's, I love this word. It's nonsense. Like that doesn't need to happen. We're always allowed to be able to believe our own narrative, understand our own story and go our own way. And right, understanding right. that really we like can that. do that. And, I, I really, and allowing yeah, that is the most important thing. It's I'm the sorry? freedom. It's that freedom. Right. I, I, I really like the concept of holding one's story mm. as, as superordinate to the cultural narrative in which a person is a part or the ideology that has been handed to a person, whether it's, you know, political or sociological or, 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 you know, scientific, like th those all are important. Don't get me wrong. Like we need yep. to understand politics to, to be, uh, 
literate in in a, in today's world. Although it's, it's you know in my opinion it's it's, it's oh, that's nonsense to be fair. But you know, and science is, you. you you feel me? But but and yeah. also science is, is is you know one of the most important pursuits, right? To 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 mm. conduct the scientific method, right? And and like just to, to to play devil's advocate, like all of these things that are partial narratives about the way the world is, right? Like like um you know what the American story is, the American dream, the you know political menta you know, mentalities on both sides of the aisle, um, each scientific discipline in its you know, body of knowledge and, and long-standing, you know, iterated wisdom, right? Mm. That's, that's justifiable and, 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 and cataloged. That's all great. But what I think that we're touching on that's really important to me that I'm trying to synthesize talking through it is, is, is if a person, myself included, if a person ever loses the primacy, the, the centralism, the, 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 the most important nature of their own story, then the person's lost. And that person is an easy person to manipulate. That person's yeah. an easy person to get to vote for your fucking team. That person's an easy person to sell something to because they need something to believe in. Well, but mm -hmm. good, good Lord, the, the simple thing is believe in yourself. Yes, yes. You know? And, and how do we do that? Well, we, we examine ourselves. We, we tell ourselves the story of ourselves. Mm -hmm. We go live our story, right? By, by you know, going into the unknown and, and, and facing danger and, and mm -hmm. you know, hopefully prevailing and living to tell the tale. And I think that that's such an important concept that I, I'm interested to speak through it. And it's something that, that I've heard spoken to at depth elsewhere as well. So I'm a fan of, um, of Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you're familiar yes. with Jordan Peterson. He's a clinical psychologist and a university professor. He's uh, currently detoxing, you know, got, like good luck to him from um, Klonopin. His wife was uh, experiencing what they thought was terminal cancer. His daughters had terrible health problems uh, for the majority of his life. He's been under a great deal of stress and he was popping Klonopins like they were candy and um, you know, has had to go through a terrible um, detox process that he actually went to Russia to do so. Um, but in any good case, he's a really, I'm sorry? Good for him. Yeah, right? I mean, good luck to him. Hopefully he comes out yeah. the other side. And, and, and uh, in any case, he talks a lot about, he has, he has hundreds of hours of content on YouTube. He's one of these guys that rode the wave of the popularity of digital media to prominence. So like mm -hmm. he's a he's a smart dude like he's a PhD level thinker and a and a and a practicing physician and a university professor so like okay he's smart whatever you know whether he's full of shit or not make up your own mind but he put up enough content that he got that groundswell of viewership as YouTube became super big right yep. well one of his main points to make in fairness in in length right in debate. Uh, is exactly what we're speaking to. You're the hero. Your story is the manifestation of religious knowledge, like mm -hmm. like religion in the abstract, right? Like, no, I, I'm, yeah. you feel me? Like, I like to totally. say I'm, you know, I, I'm one of those like millennials where I'm spiritual but not religious, you know, which is one of the stupidest yeah. things I think we ever ever say. But I, I believe that. Like, I, I I hold that to be true, and not at the discount of any other set bodies of knowledge right that i can that i can you know like learn from but mm -hmm. in that it's a representation of something that is experientially valid like the religious experience going to the top of the mountain and coming down with rules to live by or 
you know, like living morally and, you know, inspiring the masses or, you know, castigating the fucking money changers, but like having compassion for the prostitutes. Like, I think that there's a lot of beauty in these religious narratives. And for me, the way that I can make sense of them is realizing that we are all the, the hero. Like I, I hold Dune and the Foundation Trilogy and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings in the same prestige. I hold, you know, the books of the, the you know, Quran and, 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 you know, Bible and, um, uh, you know, for lack of, of knowledge of a lot of the other holy, you know, but in, in that, there's a lot of the same motifs, right? Yep. There's, there's the, the, you know, the, the nebulous force or spice or, you know, Holy Ghost or, right, this thing that is outside of us. And then there's the, the, the narrative protagonist. And you are, you are him or her, right? Like, that's clearly the message to be taken from these things. Mm-hmm. And... At once, it's been a really inspiring and helpful message for me because then the, where the rubber meets the road becomes tell the truth, do your best, fucking face your challenges head on, right? Like don't yeah. ask for, for permission or support no. or defense. Just, just do it and see what happens and you'll, you'll grow, you know, and you'll, you'll become greater because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, but also, and then I had a good point, but I can't remember. But uh, yeah, I, I, oh, but also that these messages that I think are very helpful, especially to a generation of which I am a part that is fighting the scourge of, of a loss of purpose, a sense of purpose, a, a catastrophe yes. of purpose with yeah. depression, anxiety, suicide, hopelessness, cynicism. Um, anti-establishment ideas and mm-hmm. and in a negative sensibility as opposed to the way that it was it was um, synthesized if that's the right word to use in the 60s where it was it was on a positive valence the mm-hmm. hopelessness and uh, cynicism of institutional bodies now is more to the I'm just going to smoke pot and you know whatever else you know to a lot of people and I mean I've lost friends to drug drug abuse and, so, and suicide. I think, I think that anybody between 20 and 30 is not one person away. I really, I'm just thinking out loud from suicide. I think it's that prevalent of a problem. So why is that? And I would, I would come back to, it's, it's the absence of the acceptance of these things that have been passed down for time memorial, like religious tradition in the, in the, in the personal in the, mm-hmm. you are the hero of your narrative. And the, 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 the counter narrative, the, the argument that I've heard in popular media to that point, to the, you can do it, you can face your demons, you can get up and, and do the thing that is going to make you greater, the thing that scares you the, the, the great, you know, the most, the darkest part of the forest is where the, you know, treasure is to be found, all that stuff, you know, you'll find the sort of Excalibur and the, yeah. and the you know, the lake. Is, is these pulls from static, dead, ideological bodies of knowledge, these logic chains like, well, that can't be true because this group says this, or, yeah. you know, materialism and reductionism mm-hmm. says that we understand everything and there is no dragon of chaos. That's just nonsense. So 
I know I'm all over the place and I know this has a lot of kind of dead ends and, and thinking out loud, but I'm, I just wanna put that to you and see where you take that because I suppose the thing that I resonate with you on a very deep level in terms of this thinking is how important it is to encourage both ourselves and everybody else to believe in the importance of being the hero and why mm -hmm. that's not nonsense. Yeah, no, 100%. It, when, when you understand at a visceral level that you are the hero in your own life, the, the way I always position this is <clears throat> think of your life as a movie or a storybook, right? When you do that and you position yourself as the hero, then what always happens to the hero? The hero has some kind of um, uh, problem that they need to solve and whatever that problem is, they go through these uh, moments and then with each individual problem, there is like these sub problems that consequently happen as well, right? You meet a, uh, meet a tiny goal, then there's another problem, then you meet a tiny goal and another problem. Literally every single story known to man is structured almost the exact same way, whether it's it's a storybook, whether it's a movie, whether it's a Netflix show, whether it's a whether it's a whether it's a whether it's a there's always this 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 dynamic conflict of who we are, what our transformation is in order to uh, solve this problem and then come out the other end being the hero in our own journey. And I think what a lot of the problem is in our society now is that we're constantly told when I was a kid, I was constantly told constantly told that I could do anything and you know the, the world is my oyster and if you want to do it go and do it and then as you get older that narrative gets changed the people telling that narrative stop telling that narrative and it becomes okay so that was when you were a kid and that was nonsense and you actually can't be do anything you can't be anything and if you want to do something then you have to basically uh, weigh out the odds and see, you know, what's realistic and what's not. And we get caught up in this fantasy of what we truly wanted, how we wanted to be the hero in our own journey, mixed with what we're now being told is, is possible and impossible, and it gets stuck in our minds. And this now we're in this conflict of, well, this is what I was told my whole life, and this is who I want to be, but this is not now you know, I'm being told I have to be, I have to do, I have to create in order to, you know, be realistic. And personally, I think being realistic is the stupidest thing in the world. Um, it's just going to cause extreme unhappiness. But that's a side note altogether. When we mix in social media, where we're in this time now where everyone is so drawn to the likes, the views, the comments, the we literally, literally are on mass amounts of depression uh, historically because people are so drawn they literally pick up the damn phone and if they if they got a hundred likes or a thousand likes or or a million likes on a post and then the next day they got half as many or god forbid you know a quarter their their entire day drops to the ground because they now feel like they're not a hero they're not uh, you know growing they're 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 being tossed aside by society and and by the world because that that narrative, that story of you can't, you shouldn't, it isn't, uh, do something else, blah, 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 kicks up in the back. It's, it just, it just comes, it just, it just flows through. And a lot of the struggle that we have is 
the inability to be able to say, well, hey, no, that's not true. And let's look at the pattern and let's look at the data and let's look at what's happening and let's look at the future and let's look at the past and let's actually take a, a, a proper look at what these patterns are and if they're moving ourselves in the right direction, if we're going to where we wanna be and what we're trying to achieve, that's, it's data, right? It's the small little things that we can see, whether it's our likes or comments or stories, whatever. Then we need to change the narrative in our mind, right? Every single day, our, our subconscious mind is going to basically try to give us the passive least resistance to where we wanna go. And our conscious mind is simply just finding patterns to allow us to be able to do that. So the second we're able to, to identify that that's, that that's you know, a, a break in the pattern, we're not moving towards it, we're, we're causing ourselves self-harm, um, stop that and change the narrative and go back to that. And I use data very loosely because it could literally be anything, right? Likes, comments, blah, 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 blah. Go back and look at your data. Take a, take a collective look at it and, and literally look at it as, as what is happening right now what was happening yesterday, the last month, the last year, the last five years? Am I moving towards what I'm actually trying to accomplish? The story that I actually want to live. And if the answer is collectively, yes, I am. Then the narrative of negativity, if I can't, if I shouldn't, of, of everything coming in and telling me something entirely different is just plainly not true. And the moment we understand that, that's the moment we're free. That's the moment that all of those voices and all of those stories, no matter where they come from, from that point on, they can't stick in your mind. They can't stick in your head. They can't stop you from doing anything or being anything or creating anything. The other thing is exactly what I said before. A lot of the time we're told things that aren't necessarily true. It's based and rooted in the fact that somebody else can't live their own story and they're perpetuating right. that onto you. Right. It's, it, the defensive amongst us, I think, are threatened by people that challenge the limitations of, you know, us or, or others, right? Like the, the, yeah. the encouraging or like confident amongst us are like, go do it, you know, like, um, but yeah, I, I really like that. I, I, I am spurred to speak of the concept of, of vision, mm. of having a vision. In, in terms of what you're speaking about, because I think that that, in my own experience, is what keeps me on track. Like if I'm doing things and I, I can see what I want. You it's know, gotta be crystal it's, clear. Yeah, yeah, it's just a dream, right? When, yeah. you know, when you have that dream, it's like you wake up from it and you're like, whoa, like I was just in another plate. Like I was there and I wanna, I wanna do that, you know? Then we're able to hold, like, we're able to hold on to those, those visions. And I think being a visionary is the ability to manifest something in the future that everybody else thinks is impossible. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I don't want to get too metaphysical, but great books that I've really enjoyed speak to the same idea. Uh, I, uh, I don't know if you read Ender's Game. Um, no, but Ender's I watched the movies in the, the series. Very, very, very good book. I haven't seen the movie. I'm sure it's good. But there's a series of books in Ender's Game, um, and it gets kind of weirder and weirder if you don't think the first one's too weird. But it presents the concept of 
the other side and, and Plato and Aristotle talked about it too, right? Like the, the place of concepts, like, like if there is such a thing as a concept of a thing, right? Like we can talk about a tree. Well, what the fuck are we talking about? There's no tree in either of these uh, frames, but yet we both have the concept of a tree in our brain. Is it only because we've seen a tr Have we seen the same tree? Probably not, but we've seen enough trees, both of us, that there mm -hmm. exists an abstraction of tree in our, you know, where, right? Like in, in a place that we both have access to, right? From, yep. from the neuron, you know, patterns of, of firing our brain. So, okay, so then if you buy that, then conceptually there's a place that's outside of us physically that maps onto what is physical, what is real, mm -hmm. helps us to perceive things, right? Because I can pull from, okay, that looks like a tree. Oh no, that's not a tree. That's a fucking cell phone tower, but it, it's trying to evoke the tree concept. The tree concept in our mind, yeah. Okay, so then dreaming and then becoming the hero of our own story in pursuing one's dream, arguably, is going to somewhere in that other place, finding a concept that you value, mm -hmm. right? And then bringing it into reality. Well, how yes. the fuck do you do that? Well, it, it's just as simple as what we're saying. You, you, you dream, you find something, and I'm speaking for myself. I'm not trying to preach here. Like this is, this is something, this is a roadmap, if you like, that I've followed that's helped me accomplish things in my life that I value. Like, let's just make it, you know, egocentric so that nobody has to take it personally, right? Like when I've looked into the future and seen something that I want deeply and then held on to it and not like, honestly, when I have that feeling, like I'm really fucking careful about who I talk with about it. You know, because I have to protect it, mm -hmm. you know, and I have that vision in my brain and I think about it and I, you know, there's a fantasy aspect to it um, that's really exciting. And then I make steps towards it. And as long as I can hold that vision in my brain, years ago, it was becoming a ski patroller. Right? It's a modest thing, but it's a thing. I mean, it's not easy to become a ski patroller. Absolutely. And I, I decided to do it way before I did it, years before I did it. But I saw guys that were ski patrolling yeah. and I just, and I just made it my dream, you know, and I you did it. You have to and make a decision. Like that's the first yes, thing. Sir. And that's, that's well put. Like I, I, I would tell my wife and, and I, I tell anybody because I've told myself this in, in um, analyzing my own behavior. The hardest part of working out is deciding to work out. Mm-hmm. Working out is easy. It's fun. Your Simple. body enjoys it. It's it making the it. fucking decision that I'm going to get in the car and go to the gym right now, or I'm mm -hmm. going to put my workout clothes on and, and, you know, go to the mat or whatever. So I think the same concept is true in following our dream. I think if we can conceive, and I use that word intentionally because a metaphor that I've been playing with artistically, if you will, recently is the analog the the allegory between birth like physical female conception and birth of a child mm -hmm. and the conception of a dream and the birth of that dream into one's own life it's they're both painful they yep. take a long time in gestation yep. there has to be a love making with the seminal essence of 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 bringing that into your life right you have to yep. you have to be like sexually charged in your dream yeah you gotta you know want I mean? it in, in, a, in abstraction right yeah. like you have to like be lustful for the good future to then have that come to you right 
to then hold it in your in yourself energetically you know and mm-hmm. love it and and want to make it a reality for yourself right for my i mean you know i'm not trying to make it like for any for oneself right for oneself yeah and 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 then like allow it to happen and like i'm no fucking great you know practitioner of this but the little bit that i've been able to see it work in my life is so profound in how effective it is that it begs examination you know and i think that that framework holds true and i want to be a voice of that if for no other reason than to just affirm my own constitution in continuing to do it the best that i can but i mean hopefully right hopefully to catalyze that courage in others mm-hmm. because i think that there's a lot of places where it falls down we can carry fear or negativity into the dream world space you know into our sleep whatever you want to say that doesn't allow us to be receptive to the endless possibilities of just being open-minded and suggestive you know mm-hmm. if you will as an analog to the dream state there's having a beautiful dream and then sharing it look i have this idea i want to go to mars i want to be a sea patroller i want to make money doing this thing i think i can help people and having that one bitter son of a bitch go that's the stupidest fucking thing i've ever heard and i'm going to tell you all the reasons you know you know that's a like it can break down so many different places but i think that it's something that you could codify in stepwise manner and 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 coach other people and help other people to get there and believe me i'm enough of a blowhard that i've realized the lesson of i only should speak when asked because people shut down really quick when i go off on a tangent without them giving me that like sacred space but mm-hmm. this is something that i just wanted to i want to try to get out in the words because i think that we're both speaking to it yeah hands down yeah you know um i i i think that the lack of that is a symptomatic no that's not right is a causal is a is a is a causal part of the problem that we're seeing in young people that are aimless, hopeless, and treating themselves poorly. I think it's a lack of exactly what I and and we are trying to speak to. And I hear voices talking about it. And I think whether it's a religious leader or a you know person who's really excited about scientific research or if it's a philosopher or a psychologist or a coach or I think they're all telling the same thing I think they're all speaking to the same process and that is lighting the fire in the in the next person to believe in themselves and, and mm-hmm. go on their journey right and I don't know how to do it better than having these conversations since trying to speak to the deepest held experiences and knowledge of others and finding that that common thread where it it more fully makes the same point because i think it's all the same point we're all here we're all in this together nobody fucking understands what's going on and the yeah. best that we can do is do our best and believe in ourselves and make make our dreams come true right yeah. i mean what's wrong with that it's the most amazing story ever told
you know? Go ahead and make your dreams come true. It should be like, it, it should be like the primary focus of every human being is to create a vision. One of my favorite things to actually talk about is you don't have a purpose. Nobody does. You're not born with this end goal that you're okay, As much as you are the hero in your story, it's not like you're going to be born and, you know, from the moment you're born, you have this amazing purpose uh, that's going to save the entire world. That's not how it works. How it works is as you grow and as you develop and as you learn more about yourself, the world, society, you create and develop your own purpose, which stems into your hero story. And if you end up saving the world, that's not necessarily because you were supposed to. It was because as you went throughout your life, that was the narrative that you continued to tell yourself and positioned yourself into a situation which granted you the ability to be able to do that. But having a vision and knowing what you want to accomplish and who you want to be and how you want to do it, creating that purpose, whatever it is, because you need to have something pushing you forward. You need to have some kind of some, some, some kind of reason to get up in the morning. Otherwise, you just sit in bed and smoke weed and drink and there's nothing, right? I know um, people who are very, very wealthy who have nothing to do anymore because they've accomplished the goal of wealth and are extremely miserable because their whole entire purpose was just to make as much money as possible. Now it's on autopilot and they do not have a purpose for living. They get up, they smoke, they drink, and they watch Netflix and they are lost. And these are people who are very, very wealthy. And sometimes the wealthiest people in the world um, are the most miserable because of what their sole purpose was in the beginning. Once they achieve that goal, then they become lost and they become this lost is like the best term I can explain. So being able to cultivate a purpose for yourself, a vision for yourself, something that's bigger than you and move towards it. And then here's the best thing, actually achieving that vision. It is life-changing. The moment that you step into that vision for the first time, for real. It's like a feeling like no other. The amount of endorphins it releases, how good you feel, it's borderline orgasmic. And then now what you need to do is create a new vision, create a new purpose, create something. It doesn't need to be bigger. You don't want it to be, but you need to have something. Otherwise, you do like I just said, and that's just wake up, smoke a bunch of weed, do whatever, drink, lay down, and, and, and not do anything. And it's not a good life to live. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think the, the importance of dreaming is something that has been lost in a materialistic, reductionist, Western science viewpoint. And I am not an anti-science person. I'm far from it. I am passionate about scientific pursuit. And I am really intellectually turned on by people who are scientists outside of the mainstream. So here's an interesting mm -hmm. thread. I really like Graham Hancock. He's the, the author of Fingerprints of the Gods, Magicians of the Gods. He's been on uh, Rogan a bunch of times. He's a fascinating guy. He's an archaeologist, and he is absolutely lampooned by mainstream archaeology. Okay? Uh, fascinating guy. Very, very serious, sober, honest, hardcore, deep thinking, um, 
uh, in researcher of integrity, right? And may, you know, look him up, make your own opinions. I'm not trying to push his shit. It's just I, I, I dig it. Uh, Rupert Sheldrake is fascinating. He gave a TED talk called the Science Delusion. This is a PhD mm. scientist. I mean, this is a scientist. Period. And he gave a talk called the Science Delusion, and he and he talks about science in that it's become for the you know, uninitiated, if you will, a religion. And that's really fucking dangerous. Because if somebody shows you one study and that becomes dogma, well, then why do any other studies? Why yeah. peer review it? What's the point, right? Science, you know? But they fucking banned it. They, 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 they pulled it. Um, uh, yeah, they did. Um, and he has a body of research focused around the concept of morphic resonance morphic field morphogenetic field theory and it's fucking wonderful um it's really intriguing and he's caught a lot of flack from the establishment uh, uh science community um and there's there's several of those kinds of people but in my opinion those are the people uh and i mean in, in anybody's critical thinking opinion i would go so far as to argue that move the convention forward without newness without the mavericks without the outcasts without the challenging thinkers without the person that says, well, wait, 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 hold on before you go to the next topic. What? You know, without, without the person that, that challenges what is dogma, we never move forward. We just regress as that dogma becomes less and less adaptable to the changing circumstance of, of, of you know, evolutionary life, right? Like the, the power of the organism is the ability to adapt to its environment. Yeah. It's not strength, it's not speed, it's not intelligence that codes for survival, it's adaptability. Well, how do we adapt? We have to think, we have to, we have to challenge our own thinking, you know? And I love people that do that, uh, simply because they contend that, uh, I don't know, but you don't either. And that's a place that we can all start because that's a place where we're all equal. And the people that say, I know, so listen to me, are fucking dangerous people. There is a because list of those kind of people. And historically speaking, yeah, they're some of the most dangerous people in the world. Right, right. I've heard a good quote. It's like, the great shame is that the people who are fucking dolts are so goddamn sure of themselves, and the people who are really intelligent are filled with doubt. Uh, uh, you know, so I, I attempt at my highest ideal, and I am not proclaiming to be this, right? This is not a <laughs> virtue signal. This is a, this is a call to action for myself. I hope to be somebody who is endlessly challenging both of others and myself, right? I hope to be somebody who is willing to challenge convention at the goal of us all gaining knowledge, right? And that so often is misconstrued in my, in my experience, which is why I have to learn better strategies and so forth to, to, to get there as self-righteousness, right? It's like, I don't think that's right, is often met with, well, what the fuck do you know? As yeah. opposed to, well, what, what, I wonder why you don't see that to be true. What, what, is, what, what doesn't make sense to you? Let's, you know what I'm saying? It's, let's it's work through rare. Let's figure it out. Let's, let's move together. You feel me? Yeah. It's rare that I find people that are egoically detached from their own thinking enough to examine it. 
especially when challenged, right? And so my, my goal is to learn how to be an agent of, you know, chaos and change without being threatening, mm-hmm. which is a fucking hard balance to strike. Very, very, very you know, hard. Because you're, you're either branded, one in that behavior pattern is either branded a, you know, charlatan, or just a mm-hmm. crazy person. Oh, that person's just crazy. You know, they don't, they don't know anything. They're, they're nuts, right? Because they don't yeah. believe what's right, so they must be nuts. Or it's, let's square off against them because they're a threat. They're trying to push some bullshit. Like, we got to fucking head that off at the path. And I'm not interested in either of those things. Number one, I'm not crazy. And number two, I don't care what you think. Like, I'm interested in it. Like, good, God bless you. Like, I'd like to... It's the best way. I'd like to learn from it. You feel me? But I think that what I've seen to be the case more often than not, which is disconcerting, which is, which is worrying, is we treat thought as identity. Oh, yeah. 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 The worst thing you could possibly do is, is treat a thought as an identity. And I, a thought is not an identity. An identity is something entirely different than a thought. Being able to differentiate the two is critical. You know what I'm saying? Like the idea of this person has challenged something that I've said or that is intrinsic to my cognitive structure. So I have to take offense and be defensive and fight Mm -hmm. that. As opposed to, I just put something out there and now it's created an energy field. It's, It's being bounced around. People are fighting with it. Cool. That's the mentality you need to come through, though. I mean, the second that you put an identity on top of your thoughts, now that's where defense comes in. Now that's where um, we start to make very bad decisions. Um, And one of the things that I see people do a lot of the times, human beings are very, 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 very bad at this, is they create an identity for their own belief systems. And then when those belief systems, those stories, those narratives are challenged, <clears throat> they take that personal. Right. It's like a literal attack on, on themselves as a human being. Right. When it's not, it's essentially, if not anything, uh, an attack on that belief system, that story, that narrative. And being able to put your foot in the ground, put your feet in the ground, stand up tall and say, okay, here, this is my belief, this is my story, this is my narrative but this is who I am is like, there's so much power in that because at no point further will anybody ever be able to, to kick you out at the knees. The second that you allow someone to come in, challenge your, your thoughts and it literally kicks you out at the knees where you hit the ground and you either a can't get back up or B you're fighting yourself almost you're fighting that other person almost to the death to defend a thought to me is insanity. They're two right. entirely different concepts. I Confusing think that there is a... Is I feel you. I feel you. I think there's a lot of insanity in American culture. Potentially, mm-hmm. it's, it's just amplified by popular media, right? Maybe yep. it's just, you know, it's just a small sample size that's, that's, that's largely amplified. But yeah, man, like... We, in my opinion, we need to leave more space for mystery. You need to leave more space for intrigue and surprise, both both externally and internally, right? Because yep. if we 
if we allow ourselves to, I mean, another way of speaking to the same concept is, um, is group identity, is, is uh, identity politics. That's exactly the dangerous kind of interaction that one falls into if they do what we're saying don't do, right? Mm -hmm. don't, don't put your self-worth on a, on, a, on a set of beliefs. Because then you got to live and die by that group, believes, yeah. you know, by what they say needs to be done. And that's a submission of one's personal sovereignty. And that mm -hmm. is, that goes against everything that, that goes against learned, humanity. you know? So like, I, I don't know how to be a voice of this save what I'm, what I'm trying to get going. And that is speak to, to folks like yourself, Jordan, to, to do what I love to do unapologetically and share it as, as, as effectively as I can. Mm -hmm. And to simply not submit my personal sovereignty to any fucking group, period. End of story. I'm not, if you ask me who I am, I'm not going to tell you I'm a this or I'm a that. I'm Devin. Like, what does that mean? I don't know. That's, that's it, though. The beauty of that's it. that's the condition of the human being. You are a human being, experiencing life through your eyes, and your name is simply just Devin, right? And if human beings come from that perspective, where they're literally a human being, a fleshy sack of water and skin cells and everything, right? Who's experiencing life through your own eyes, with a name of X then we don't attach ourselves to any kind of thought processes or ideas. And when they're, you know, challenged, it, we don't take it personally. Right. And, and, and there, there has to be a framework for people, myself included, to be able to do that, that we're speaking to mm. without lose you know without becoming disoriented or you know psychologically or psychically or you know emotionally distressed and the framework is exactly what we what we've been talking about is you're you're a hero and the whole thing about the hero is you don't know what's going to happen right and you no. feel insignificant or insufficient or weak against the scourge of the antagonist or the the problem to be to be conquered. That's just the nature of the story, right? It's the, 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 the enemy is always seemingly stronger than the hero. That's, that's how you write a story, right? You don't have Absolutely. a weak enemy or what the fuck is the point? You What's know? the point? Why do you bother? You know, and maybe, maybe I'm misthinking. Maybe we're all on the same page because I like thinking that, that people, you know, in the abstract, like the, the concept of people are smarter than, than, I think we and certainly myself give give you know people credit for it's easy to think they don't get it and I, I am a believer in the idea that everybody gets it we all get it. we all have to everybody face mortality it. you know what I'm saying yeah. but what is it that has subverted the willingness to participate in heroic trials and tribulations for is it comfort? Is it is it is it the idea of protection? Is it the ex, is it the um, exploitation of the concept of fear? You know, those are my best ideas for 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 identification in the group, right? Like combination of all of that. You know what I mean? 
It's a combination of all that. I mean, when human beings get challenged, moving ourselves out of our comfort zone, the, the biggest thing that we face is a uh, fear of um, uh, identity transformation, right? I am comfortable. This is why people continue to do the same things over and over and over again, um, wanting something different, but never moving in that direction. It's because comfortability favors the challenge. It favors something that may be difficult or might not work out. It's the fear that something that, we're, that we might do might not work. It might fail. It might not be what we think it is. It, the grass might not be greener on the other side. So it's, it's a combination of, 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 of comfortability, of fear, of the inability to be able to um, pretty much take a step and, and try, see, right. aim. Right, right. Ronnie James Dio has a song and in the song he says, uh, for every moment of truth, there's confusion in life. Love can be seen as the answer, but nobody bleeds for the dancer. And I love that because who takes steps? Well, dancers take steps. Well, why do they take steps? Nobody knows, right? What's the value of dancing? That's a hard fucking argument to make, right? That's a very but hard, you, very... But we, all, but we all know it. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a logical fallacy to have to make that point because everybody enjoys a good dancer mm -hmm. unless you're just a cold-hearted bastard. But I mean, everybody can watch beautiful dancing and be like, wow, that, that affects me emotionally. Yeah, I can feel that emotionally. Right. So, so movement, for the sheer purpose of movement, just in and of itself is, is, is an existential good, is yep. of moral value. Well, how do you make that argument in a materialistic world? How do you say some, to somebody, I want to get a fucking board that's taken tens of hours to make. I want to go to the ocean that's dangerous and cold. And I want to go paddle out at great personal difficulty and ride these waves of water and waste my time and not make any money for the economy. But it's, it's good. Well, that's, that's in the framework of modern, of postmodern morality and reductionist, you know, materialism, there's no value to be had in that. And yet, anybody who's ever caught a wave knows it's the fucking shit, you know? Um, so how does one square scientific sterility, you know, in, 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 in terms of a worldview with joy and passion and purpose and dreaming and pursuit and vision and love and life and and evolution, personal evolution, and collective evolution, and you know, evolution of the self, and 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 you know, accomplishment and manifestation. All of these things are 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 the baby that's thrown out with the bathwater of primitive anti-scientific thinking. And I don't buy it. I'm I'm as willing to read scientific papers and educate myself on convention as anybody. But what I won't be is indoctrinated. I won't sit in a classroom and become a parrot of somebody else's body of knowledge. I have my own fucking body of knowledge. I've been in the ocean. I've been to the top of mountains. I've traveled. I've, I, I don't contend to know more than the next person. I just contend to not be willing to contradict things that I've learned experientially. And I want that conviction for everybody. Not because I'm so egocentric and I want followers like I, I'm not the fucking center of this you are 
Everybody yeah. is, right? Because your experiential self has validity. Well, the problem with modern America and the Western worldview is you are not a center of, of the universe. The, Except right, that you're a center of your own universe. Well, but you are. I yeah, exactly. Say. But, but, the, but the, the scientific Western reductionist worldview and again, I, I, I'm, I love science. I've got a geology degree. I'm, you know, I'm not anti-science. I'm anti-only science. Mm. I'm anti-truisms true, are only to be found in peer-reviewed you know, um, research. That's, there's a lot to be said for peer-reviewed research. But your experience is valid. Where in the fuck in the cultural zeitgeist did, did we as a people, as a community, as a culture, by the idea that our own experiential knowledge is somehow subordinate to dogma. That's fucking craziness. And yet it's yeah. something that I've found to be a deeply held foundational belief in um, ideologues, uh, fundamentalists. I've heard a really beautiful way of synthesizing this kind of wild diatribe I'm on, and that is the map is not the territory. Yeah. You feel me? The menu yeah. is not the meal, you know, unless you're a fundamentalist. And that, I guess, is what I'm getting at. It's like, Jordan, I don't know how to speak to fundamentalists. And I, and I, and I want to speak. Difficult. <laughs> right? Very difficult. It's difficult for me. It's difficult for everybody. I, I think that the scourge of this age is fundamentalism. And I think fundamentalism rears its ugly head periodically in the course of human events. Yeah. Because it's seemingly a safe harbor from the unknown and danger. And it don't, all it does is kill the human soul. That's yeah. the only price bit you have by to bit. pay to become a fundamentalist. Level. You know? In the most painful way possible. Right, in slow, torturous yep. loss of purpose and meaning. Yep. And everybody feels it. Mm -hmm. I There's no single human being that doesn't. You feel me? There's no way I argue to adopt a fundamentalist view. And I don't care what, I don't care what the body of knowledge is, whether it's science or religion or it's just insert belief system here. Yep. To do so is to give up the self. And it's just so clear to me that that's the answer to the riddle. Don't give up yourself ever. And why, why are we doing it? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're not. Maybe my whole thing of this is a problem and so many people are suffering. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe Steven Pinker is right and things are better now than they ever have been. I'm willing to be wrong. It's just this is an observation set that I have, have had in my life with several mm -hmm. friends having passed away from suicide and drug abuse. And maybe that's a constant. Maybe that's happened forever. I don't know. I just think that what I'm speaking to is right. And that's why I want to put it out there. That's my motivation. That's where I'm coming from, right? That's the best way to do it, being your most true as authentic self and getting it together, getting those stories, getting that basically real foundation so that you can put it out into the world and connect viscerally with the people that actually want to connect with you. 
Because if you just take content and you throw it up there, there's always going to be a group of people who just say, I don't care. You, you're an idiot. You're wrong. You're blah, 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 blah. But there's going to be even more people, as long as you're constant, as long as it's consistent, as long as you continue to do it, that are going to relate with you, that are going to connect with you, that are going to want to be around you, listen to you, be a part of your life, be a part of your journey, be a part of your story. And those are the people that you need to, to do this for. So it's important that we continuously do this as much and as often as possible. Amen. Well, bro, let's do it again. Totally. I really appreciate your time. Appreciate you, Devin. Thank you so much for you know doing this with me. I love doing this. Well, hey, tell tell everybody that's listening or watching and or watching where they can find you, what what your what your social media presence is, mm -hmm. how, you know, so forth. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, Jordan D. Marcia. And uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Jordan D. Marcia. And my website's Jordan D. Marcia. Super straightforward. Right on. Right on. M-A-R-C-I-A. M-A-R-C-I-A. J-O-R-D-A-N-D-M-A-R-C-I-A. Well, I value what you're doing. Your your words and images online brought me to you and I, I very much enjoy speaking with you and I, I hope you're willing to do it again because mm -hmm. I enjoy this um, and uh, keep, keep on keeping on man let's let's reconnect soon definitely 100% I love it I would be honored to right on. much love keep on keeping on catch you later uh, next time next time